they connect dots that they could never connect just in their head. But in the course of writing, there's understanding that comes, there's insight that comes, there's forgiveness that comes, and I've seen families heal. From the Pritikin Longevity Center in Miami, Florida, welcome to the Healthier Everyday Podcast, where we talk about your health, your fitness, your mindset, the food you eat, and putting it all together to create an amazing lifestyle. In this episode, we explore the power of writing your life story. Join Patricia Charpentier, founder of Writing Your Life and Life Writers, where she shares valuable insights and practical tips to kickstart your journey into memoir writing. Discover how to organize your thoughts, create timelines, and turn memories into impactful stories. Joining Patricia is Dr. Kristen Farrell-Turner. She is Pritikin's licensed psychologist, has published several peer-reviewed articles, and teaches multiple classes at Pritikin, helping guests achieve a healthy lifestyle. To learn more about joining a Writing Your Life workshop at Pritikin, visit pritikin.com forward slash events. That's P-R-I-T-I-K-I-N dot com forward slash events. Enjoy today's episode and don't forget to like and subscribe. My name is Patricia Chapontier. Uh, most people cannot pronounce my last name. I always spell it for people. And um, I'm from South Louisiana originally and raging Cajun. And I grew up in a little town in, down in the Bayou country in South Louisiana. 400 people, most of whom I was, I was related to. I saw great grandparents, great uncles, great aunts every day. And from the time I was 13 years old, the only thing I was concerned about was getting out of that 400 person town. So I didn't ask any questions about where I come from, about your family, about my family, my mm-hmm. history, nothing. And, you know, I went, by the time I finally got interested, I was in my 40s and everybody was gone. So I had to depend on research to be able to try mm-hmm. to put my family history together. And, it was such a loss for me to know that I had the opportunity to ask questions and I didn't, that I decided, and it was 22 years ago, I decided hmm. that I was going to start helping people write their stories and maybe answer the questions before they were even asked. So that's what I do. I started writing your life about um, 22 years ago. And I do a lot of teaching. And that's your business, which your business is called. Yes. Writing Your Life. Yeah. The business is called Writing Your Life. And uh, I do a lot of teaching and a lot of speaking. Uh, In the past, I've edited, published, ghost wrote more than 70 books for people. Wow. And most of the people that I work with are writing for themselves and for their families. They're not pursuing publication. So it's a it's a great, it's a great job. The great, I don't even consider it a job. I mean, yeah, I just think it's a great, great opportunity to get to know people and to, to help them do something that's really important to them and to the people that they love. Curious about a couple of things, and I don't know if I'm going to be overly nosy here. Um, you can't be overly nosy when you're writing life stories. You really can't. Okay, well, good. <laughs> then I'm going to ask the question I'm going to ask because I think, I think it's fascinating too. Honestly, I have, I'm grateful. I don't want to make this all about me, but I'm grateful. I have family also who have dug back quite far, actually. Yeah. And, and there could be some 
stretches here, but back even to the Vikings. Oh, wow. Um, and again, you know, records, I don't know how good they were. So there's maybe some, a couple leaps, but yeah. you know, it's, um, they, they've gone back pretty far and, and then traced it eventually to uh, England and then uh, over here to the U.S. But um, I, so I really appreciate um, the, the kind of work that you do because I feel like I have benefited from having family members. My, my grandfather, his brother did a lot of the work and then actually my uncle has done a ton and oh, my mom has fantastic. done some too. Yeah, so it's really, really cool. Mm -hmm. So to find out about your family, um, what have you found out about yours? That's actually the nosy question I was <laughs> going to ask. Yeah, so cool. my family started in France uh, in the mid-1600s, they came to Acadie, which is now Nova Scotia. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so they lived in Nova Scotia for about 100 years or so. And then the British decided that they wanted the land back because they had done a lot to reclaim land and all. So the British wanted it back. Bloody Brits. So um, <laughs> they came. <laughs> I love British people. I really do. And But... They didn't love them at that time. So anyway, no. they um, they came back in. They uh, captured a lot of the people and deported them to all the different locations. My family, what I learned, my family escaped into the woods and they okay. lived um, in the woods of Nova Scotia for four years hmm. and um, and had bounties on their heads. And they were finally captured four years later. Oh, wow. And then they sent them back to France, which by that time, this was several generations later. Yeah. So, so about what time was that then? That was uh, mid-1700, mid 1735, I think. Okay. And so, for, so they sent them back to France. These people are no longer French. You know, it's been 100 years, so it's a whole different community. And mm -hmm. so they were there about 50 years. And ultimately, Spain was settling the area that's now Louisiana right. and was looking for people to settle it. So my family in 1785 came on a boat called La Matie and settled in South Louisiana. And we have been there ever since. So ever since 1785, we have been in South Louisiana. Hmm. And have been farmers and fishermen and all the things that they did in Acadie as well as in France. Yeah, so I'm going to guess both in Acadie and also then in in the bayou, right, of Louisiana, they had to build their own houses. Mm -hmm. They had, I mean, that was they had to do all those things. Yeah, I mean, I mean there was, was a total undeveloped land. Yeah, it's I mean totally. Yeah, yeah, it's completely undeveloped. Land. Yeah, it was I mean, totally undeveloped land. Make their farm, make farms mm -hmm. and everything. Yeah, I mean. and I could see by the censuses that they were taking that they were prospering. You know, one census they had one barrel of corn and one hog, and maybe the next census they had three hogs and ten barrels of corn. So, um, so those those things made those people real to me, you mm -hmm. know, they, I had been given a genealogy when I was in my twenties and I looked at it and I'm like, okay, that's interesting. And I put it in a desk drawer. Thankfully I didn't throw it away. Yeah. I just put it away. And then 20 something years later, I found it again in a move. And now I'm like fascinated. I'm tracing all of these people down to me and um, and then I wanted to know more. Mm -hmm. So I really did my thesis, my master's thesis on family history. 
So I did a lot more research and, and solved, you know, got information to solve some of the problems um, of where they were here and then they were here. How did they get there? Right, right. Yeah. And, uh, and then wrote, um, wrote a good bit of my, a uh, good bit of my thesis on, on their story and how the, all the connections that I see, you know, to how we cook in South Louisiana, to how they cooked in Acadie mm -hmm. and just so much, um, that it was the connections were amazing, even though there was hundreds of years that separated it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, if, if everybody would write their life story, that would probably make things a lot easier for, for people when they're, cause I think a lot of everybody's interested in that kind of stuff. So yeah. if everybody wrote their life story, yeah, the process would be a lot easier of discovering yes. uh, your past. Yes. So what, can you tell us a little bit about kind of, how you approach, like when somebody's interested in writing their life story, how do you approach that process? Yeah. Um, well, I, you're totally right, because I speak to a lot of genealogy groups and genealogy groups are very much interested in the past and how to do it. And I do a talk for them that says, don't make your descendants research you, because that's what happens is they get so focused on the past, they don't write about themselves. And then they're putting their descendants in the same position of having to research them. So I go in and I encourage people to write their life stories. And it's really not that big a deal. You know, people think, you know, we've we've all had, I think, traumatic experiences with ninth grade English teachers and red ink pens. And um, and it's it's it doesn't have to be traumatic. And I always say, write your life stories plural, because we have more than one story. And, and when we think of it as one story that has to be written, it's too big. And that's why I always talk about stories. And I, this is one of my books, and it's called Eating an Elephant, Write Your Life One Bite at a Time. Mm -hmm. And that's why I named it that, because you look at your whole life story, and it's huge. And you think, I don't know where to start. This is too overwhelming, I'm going to go take a nap instead of even try. But that's why if you break it down and the book is broken down into bites. So they're like 200 little bites in here. But that's how I encourage people to do it is what's a memory you've got? What's your first memory? What was your mm -hmm. first pet? Um, you know, what was that pet like? Um, just write things that happen to be on your mind. They don't have to be big moments. Um, the most, in all the work that I've done, ghostwriting, especially being hired by children of elderly uh, parents, what they want to know is not that they cure cancer or whatever it is. They want to know, well, what did you hate to eat? Were you bad in school? Right. Did you get punished? It's very common. So that's what I encourage people to do is to kind of knock the eighth grade, ninth grade English teacher off your shoulder, have fun writing. My motto for everything I do with writing is the only way to do this wrong is to not do it at all. So I just encourage them to write mm -hmm. and to have fun. And it might be a paragraph or it might be a page or it might be 10 pages. It doesn't matter. Just, just write. Christy, what do you think are some of the benefits of kind of going through that process of what she's talking about? 
I mean, from yeah, an emotional, psychological perspective, tons. And, and I'm curious, too, what, emo- what emotional reactions you see from people. I, I imagine a lot of the time quite profound, you know. And, and, you know, I think just it helps in general just to kind of get your words out, out, you know, kind of a little bit kind of out of your mind, especially when people tend to have this isn't necessarily, I know what, what you're here to talk about, but, you know, have like ruminative type thoughts mm-hmm. or just in general distressing type, you know, just kind of in general, I always write them down, put it out there. Maybe in terms see, of like regrets yeah, about something or, that happened yeah, in the past. Or, or yeah. even that, but see it on the screen or see it on, on paper. And it, it allows you, I think, to look a little bit more um, objectively, not to take the emotion completely out of it, but have a little bit different perspective, perhaps on things that have happened. Um you brought up re- regrets. Absolutely. Those can weigh very heavily on people and it can help to just, you know, write them out as a way to process um, those experiences. So I think there's enormous emotional benefits in writing. Um, and then I, I would think I would imagine and I'm curious what your experiences are with with what you do, especially not only the, you know, kind of personal emotional benefits of kind of getting being able to process maybe past things that happened to you, perhaps then give yourself the opportunity to look at it in a different way, um, resolve your own regrets, heal past grievances, I mean, you know, things that come up all the time when I work with people in therapy. But um, but also the the emotion involved for them, perhaps in 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 doing it not only for themselves, but for their family. You know, it, and I don't know always where the motivation comes from, but I would imagine, you know, for a lot of people, that's that's huge mm-hmm. um, to, you know, n- know that I'm passing something on. Um, and I don't know. I'm, I'm really curious what what you see mm-hmm. in people, you know, the emotional changes you see or the, what they tell you is the impact <clears throat> of doing this. I see a lot. Yeah, I see a lot in all different kinds there. As, as you said, there's something about writing it. Yeah. And um, I've seen over and over again in my own writing, plus in the people that I work with, that they connect dots that they could never connect just in their head. Yeah. But in the course of writing, there's understanding that comes. There's insight that comes. There's forgiveness yeah. that comes. And I've seen families healed. I remember this one woman who wrote about her family and um, the parents were already gone, but the the brothers were kind of estranged a little bit. Mm. And she wrote this book, and it was a it was an unusual thing because then they were able to talk about the book. You know, it wasn't like they were talking about their individual lives so much anymore. They were talking about well, in the book, you said da 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 da. Yeah, and it really it really healed those boys, hmm. you know, to, and it opened up conversations. And that's what I love so much about it, because when people take the risk to write some of their story and then share it with people, all these conversations start that mm-hmm. would never have been had yeah, otherwise. I bet. And, and, you know, healing would be super important. And also, I wonder if you see kind of, I don't know, on the other side, so to speak, like, oh my gosh, I forgot about that, yeah. you know, and like coming together over, you know, a really funny memory yes. or something, you know, and that people forget about. I, I would see that too it's, all the it's time. It's true. And, you know, we write in community, you know, the yeah. 
the Life Writers membership I have and, and when I teach classes and stuff, we're writing in community. So one person reads something and then across the room, everybody's like, oh, my God, I remember that. I had that, too. Yeah. And so it's a way to connect people. I do believe that we connect to each other through our stories. And so mm -hmm. when we we take the time to write them, however we write them. I worked with one guy. He was a, a Florida cracker. And he, I love this guy. He had such amazing stories, but the guy could not spell worth a lick. I mean, there were a lot of times I had to call him up and ask him, what is this word? You know, because I couldn't even figure it out, but it didn't matter because, you know, and I think that stops people as they think, oh, well, my grammar's no good, ain't no good, or I can't spell, or it doesn't matter. Right. It really doesn't matter. Those are the easiest things to fix. Right. But, um, but if people don't take the risk to write them down, the stories go with them. Right. And that's just the, the sad thing to me. And you know, I, I gave my mom this book. Uh, it's one of these question, fill in the answer kind of books. And it gave me so much because it helped me to see my mom as a woman, not just as my mom. Mm -hmm. And I think that's another thing that writing does is when it's shared with children, grandchildren, they see the person in a different light, too, which is really amazing. Sure. And, you know, and to me, that reminds me of conversations a lot of times I have with, um, well, with everybody, but I mean, especially with um, uh, young adults, right, who are in this kind of oftentimes transition period of connecting in a different way with their parents. Yes. And there's a, there's that time when, you know, you it change you're still always somebody's child and you're still always somebody's parent but it kind of changes from the the more kind of you know parent child relationship where there are certain things as parents we wouldn't tell our young kids right right but as they get older we would start telling them more and and it's a different way of getting to know your parents and mm -hmm. a different way of connecting um so i imagine that's very powerful it is powerful and as it goes on to like both of my parents had alzheimer's degrees mm -hmm. and um, mm -hmm. degrees disease and um, and my mom just died um, in August. And um, and that was so powerful for me to have some of her stories. And then I wrote about them and she wasn't communicative or anything like that for probably the last year or two. But I would go and I would read her what she wrote yeah. and I would read her what I wrote about her and my dad. And um and like I said, she didn't speak, but she would listen. And I know somewhere in there, yeah. she was being reminded of who she was, mm -hmm. even though that's not who she was at that particular moment. Mm -hmm. So it's powerful. Yeah. What are some of the tools that you use to kind of help people overcome some of the obstacles and barriers to writing their life story? Um. Use a lot of things. Use the motto a lot. The only way to do this wrong is to not do it at all. This is a little book I put together. It's called I Remember 50 Prompts to Write Your Life Story. And it's a, a great little book to put in a bag or something. And it has a prompt like this is advice. What's one of the best or worst pieces of advice, advice you've ever been given? 
Um, how did you know? And then it goes on and then it gives you space to write. So mm -hmm. you can write a little bit about it or you can brainstorm it and then you might write a story about it afterwards. And what I find about writing prompts and I do a, a free thing called the first Tuesday, write and read the first Tuesday of every month where I give people a prompt and it's online, it's Zoom. And they write in response to the prompt and then they go off where I break them up and they read. But one of the great things about prompts is that it will take you to a place that you probably wouldn't have ordinarily gone, but you always find something. So mm -hmm. prompts are really good in that sense. Um, journaling, and I know you mentioned journaling. Uh, I always have great respect for people who journal consistently. Uh, I was a failed journal journaler, miserable failed journaler. I have um, many beautiful journals that have maybe a week, maybe two weeks. And then I found a five-year journal. And I don't know if y'all have heard. Of, have you heard of a five-year journal? Not, No, not specifically. It's the no. best thing in the world. So how is it different from a regular journal? Yeah, yeah. well, it takes five minutes a day mm -hmm. and it's six lines. Okay. And so you write. I don't know if so I can like, show you this. Yeah, it, you write six lines mm, here and you go all the way through the book. Oh, I see. So it's just, And then you come back. It's just that it covers the span, like the, the five, spaces cover the span of five years. Yeah, okay. and so but what's really cool is when yeah. you get to the second year, then you can read what you were doing on that year yeah, before. Yeah, that is cool. And, uh, or the third year. And right. I have been doing this consistently for 18 years. Oh, my goodness. So I've got 18 years of these. And that's the, that's the only consistent journaling I've done. And what I love so much about this is because... Most of the time when you finish a journal, the benefit comes in the writing of it, but you don't necessarily go back to it a lot of times, or at least most people I've seen. And so this one you're revisiting every year and you, it's things, if, especially if you're writing about daily things, it's not things that you would remember, right? but as soon as you see it, it triggers it mm -hmm. and then it triggers conversation. And, you know, my husband every night, it's like, what were we doing last year? What were we doing the year before? What were we doing the year before that? And then we have all these conversations and memories that we share hmm. and all. So, and people use them in different ways. Sometimes people use them as gratitude journals, yeah. uh, prayer journals, um, all different kinds of, of ways to use this journal. And, you know, you can't talk yourself out of five minutes. If it takes five minutes a day, it's like you can do it. Right. So I like that also as kind of an additive to like couples counseling, mm. you know, like, I mean, to obviously in, in couples counseling, we discuss the reasons they came in and the problems and things, but right. I could see that this is just being another way to connect. Yes. Um, because so much about working with couples is, is kind of reconnecting them mm -hmm. because they've become disconnected. I see this as an interesting Again, just sort of, you know, additive little piece. I like yeah, it. like yeah. how could we write? What are we going to write together mm -hmm. tonight about what we did today yeah. or what well, we learned today? And just also, you know, the, the fact that you mentioned, you know, you and your husband take take a little bit of time to kind of whether you write it together or not, but just to sort of connect and like, hey, well, what, you know, what was our life like a few years ago? You know, and just yeah. reminisce. Um and and hopefully, well, I don't know if I would say hopefully, you know, probably a lot of the time those are kind of happy memories. So anytime you can bring happiness and joy back mm -hmm. into 
anything, but a a relationship, especially, you know, that can, um, you know, be, uh, be very helpful. But and sometimes they're not, you know, my last with 10 years of my dad and having Alzheimer's and then another five years with my mom, there's a lot of pain in my journals and I would not trade that for anything in the world Yeah, because it reminded me of the difficulties of those times Sure, that, you know, it reminded me of the care that I gave to them, even though it was hard. I, it reminded me of the moments when they rose out of the dementia and said, call my name, you know, when they didn't know who I was anymore. Mm-hmm. So even painful moments are really worth holding on to mm-hmm. and keeping. And, um, and I write, I write all kinds of things in there. And, and people end up thinking you really got a good memory because I say, oh, it's been a year since you bought your new car. And they're like, how do you remember that? <laughs> I'm like, I don't remember it. I read it the night before. <laughs> so people think you got a great memory too. So, um, so yeah, I, I am so sold on five-year journals. I think, um, I think it's just the best way in the world to journal, but I'm prejudiced too, but yeah. Well, and writing things down actually does help you remember it better also. Yes. <laughs> I mean, in this case, you mentioned you happen to look at it the night before or mm-hmm. whatever, so it jogged your memory. But I mean, it's also true that the best way to remember something is to write it down. Exactly. So it can also why, help with memory overall. Why is that? <laughs> to me, I, I mean, to me, I would, I would just guess it's a matter of repeating um, because a, the, the technical term for how we restore long-term memories is called long-term potentiation. And it involves, you know, circuits, of course, in our, in our brain that end up kind of cementing the memory. So, you know, if you have to write it down, you are, again, kind of repeating it. And for a lot of people, um, having it visual might be much more powerful than verbally repeating it to themselves again and again and again. So having it down where you you are, again, you're repeating it because you're writing it, but you're also seeing it. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, it can be very helpful for, you know, this process of long-term potentiation of creating the long-term memories in the brain. Yeah, just in incorporating more than one sense. Yes. Yeah. Oh, definitely that too. Mm-hmm. I mean, we definitely know things like smells, for example, are very much related to memory. Yeah, so yeah. incorporating more than one sense, absolutely. Yeah, I know yeah. when I help people to edit, I always have them, like in the programs, Word or anything, they have like a read back feature. And I always have them print what it is. And then I have it read back to them. Because it's incorporating two senses You're and not just right one. That. So because they can easily see, overlook something and looking right. at it. But if they're hearing it, it's uh, it's coming at them from two different directions. Yeah. And having to write takes time also and concentration. Yes. And so you're Flows concentrating on one thing at a time. <clears throat> so this is going to sound so ridiculous, but <laughs> when I'm, I'm grew, I grew up in Ohio. Mm-hmm. where there are seasons and there's a point there's a point there's a point i'm getting to right yeah. so here i live in miami I've, I've lived in miami since 2005 so i've been here a while but in my first speaking of memory and senses in my first year or so of living here i realized i wasn't remembering events as well as i used to and i realized one of the reasons for that is because there there wasn't the and again it's like an it's like a i don't know unconscious subconscious something back there thing that I was remembering e- events before in the context of a season. season. And mm-hmm. it's not just that it's Christmas time. It's not, it's not that, 
it's that I, I had the memory of something with clothing I was wearing. Yes. Um, and maybe not specifically like a certain pair of jeans or something, but there was this, and this might sound so strange, right? But I mean, I think it's really true. There was something about the 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 feeling of the temperature and the cloth and the clothing I was wearing, some something about the environment around me. Yeah. And I that hit me again. And I had lived here kind of a full year. And I'm like, I can't place events in time as well That's as I so used to because I'm missing that piece. Yeah. And and I've told other people that, and some people think it's strange, but I've had some people say, Yeah, you know what? You're right. Um, because here so in Miami, everything is the same all the time. Yeah. And there's not yeah. that external um, information for, all, I think, most of your senses, right? It's our visual sense. It's certainly touch. Mm-hmm. Smell. Yeah. Smell. Yeah. We don't have that information to and create memories. Is the, um, I know they've done studies on it. Smell is connected to memory oh, yeah. more so than any of our senses. Yeah. So yeah. I can see how that, you know, I'm a Southern girl, so I've never lived in snow or anything. But I can see how it would provide hooks yep. for memories yeah. that when there's a sameness across the seasons, that those hooks wouldn't be there. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. So, uh, Patricia, tell us about kind of what you're doing here at Pritikin over the next couple of days, a bit about the talks and the, and the workshops yeah. you're going to do and what people are kind of going to be experiencing here. Yeah. Well, I'm so excited to be here. I mean, I really am. I'm so glad and excited to be here. And um, the first thing that we're going to do in the talk that's this afternoon is um, we're going to look at a way to get started. You know, because that's usually the most difficult thing is to get started. People are overwhelmed by it. How do you start? What do you do? And so I give them some kind of things that they can do just to get started. One way to organize your thoughts where you don't have to write chronologically. The kiss of death. If you try to start (laughs) writing with your first memory and go forward, doesn't work. So I show them a way to be able to write whatever's on their mind but an easy way to organize it. And, um, and I just give them some tips about how to um, remember things, how to mine the memories that they have. So that's today is kind of a get started. We also look at a timeline. I'm gonna help them create a timeline so they can get maybe a 35,000 foot view of their lives and just get the big picture. And then tomorrow, the session is called Moments to Memoir. And what I've seen with people is across the board for the last 22 years, and that's why I named the book Eating an Elephant, Write Your Life One Bite at a Time, because they try to take too big of a bite. They try to write the entirety of their childhood in one story, and it gets overwhelming. And then it's too general. Mm -hmm. It's not specific. So it doesn't have the impact. So in um, the session tomorrow, I'm going to show them how to bring a memory down to a moment and to use to focus on the moment that happened in minutes or hours rather than days and weeks and months and years. And um, so both sessions are going to be pretty hands on. So um, and they're fun. It's, It's definitely, you know. All of us have gotten to the point in our lives where, you know, if it's not fun, we don't necessarily have to do it. We've had too many things that we've had to do in our lives that weren't fun. So something like this 
So it ends up being fun. And then we're going to share some of the writing maybe, and that might scare people, but it really isn't. It's very fun because when somebody takes the risk to share what they've written, then all we do is cheer and applaud and clap. Sure. So, I mean, it's the best audience you could ever play to. Um, so, yeah, we're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to have a lot of fun. Why don't you just tell us um, uh, how people can find you and and uh, tell us about your, your company, your website, your, your social, if you have Instagram or anything like that, mm -hmm. and, and if they're interested I do, in writing live stories. I don't know what it is. Uh, yeah, I'm not a big social media person, unfortunately. So I have those things, but I don't know where they are. But the way they can find me, my main website and the name of my company is Writing Your Life. Writing Your Life. And my uh, website is writingyourlife.org. Writingyourlife.org. And there's a whole story why it's an org and not anything else. But um, writingyourlife.org. Um, if they want to email me, my email address is patricia at writingyourlife.org. And um, I run a, a membership called Life Writers. And everything to do with Life Writers is at lifewriters.us. Lifewriters.us. So there's, if they check the lifewriters.us, they'll find a lot. I do a weekly vlog and um, some blog posts and stuff. So yeah, if somebody's listening right now and a memory comes to their mind, sit down and write it. Just a paragraph. That's all they have to do. And then they will have started writing their life stories. Thank you for listening to the Healthier Everyday Podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. If you're interested in learning more about the Pritikin Longevity Center and how the physician-led team of wellness professionals have been helping people for almost 50 years, visit Pritikin.com. That's P-R-I-T-I-K-I-N.com.